Do you want to feel strong, confident, and ready to enjoy life? I'm Jen Shaver, a triple certified fitness expert and mother living her best midlife. I want to help you achieve a healthy, active lifestyle without ever having to go to the gym. We grow together every Monday, so be sure to subscribe and tune in to your weekly fit news. This episode of Fit News is sponsored by... Make wellness a priority in your life. Women's bodies face changes and fluctuations in hormones as they go through the cycle of menopause. Strong for Life offers an exercise program to help you invest in your future and health without crazy routines. We deliver the results you deserve from your time and effort. Go to strongforlifefitness.com to learn more. Now back to our show. Hello and welcome to Fit News. I'm your host, Jen Shaver. Today we have a very special episode on breast cancer. Because did you know that one in eight women will be diagnosed in her lifetime? And every two minutes in the United States, a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, which means that it should not just be left for one month, October, for breast cancer awareness. We need awareness every month. But guess what? It's not all doom and gloom because there are 3.8 million breast cancer survivors in the U.S., which gives us hope. It means that diagnosis are working. It also means that treatment is working. I have a very special guest today. Mindy Heron is a physical therapist with over 12 years of experience working with patients in outpatient orthopedics and oncology physical therapy. She has a master's in physical therapy from The Ohio State University and a bachelor's degree in exercise physiology from Ohio University. She has worked with patients of various age groups and orthopedic diagnosis, as well as pre- and post-operative patients to be able to return to their daily activities as well as sports and recreational activities. She has worked with patients in all aspects of treatment for cancer. Whether it is to prepare for upcoming treatments such as radiation, pre, post-surgery, and or reconstruction, as well as survivorship to help them restore movement and function to improve their quality of life and return to the activities that they enjoy. She is ACSM certified exercise physiologist, as well as ACSM ACS certified cancer exercise trainer, and has worked as part of a cancer wellness program for seven years, performing musculoskeletal screening for clients in various stages of cancer treatment to determine exercise recommendations regarding their individual needs. Mindy, welcome to Fit News today. We appreciate you joining us. I want to start out with Oh my goodness, how is PT used with breast cancer, right? Because I think that many of us hear physical therapy and we think of, you know, I had to have ankle surgery or I had a hip replacement or, or you know, any type of athletic injury. That's when we usually think of physical therapy. But we know now that physical therapy can be used with oncology. So tell us how, what is it exactly that you do and how is it that physical therapy is used? 
Great. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here to talk about this. I'm very passionate about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yes, like you said, many people think of um, an athletic injury or a knee replacement and those kind of things, um, and then being sent to physical therapy. Um, but in terms of oncology, um, we're here as physical therapists to meet you wherever you are in your treatment plan, whether that is before a surgery, um, whether that's after, whether it's during chemotherapy, radiation, reconstruction. Um, there's so many different treatments. Everyone's plan is so individualized when it comes to their treatment for oncology, um, that we're here to help with whatever those specific needs are um, to to help you reach your goals of improving pain, mobility, function, whatever it is, in whatever stage you are in of your treatment, even if it is years ago, months ago that you um, underwent surgery or treatment, we're still here to help you with all of those um, needs. Also, um, a lot of people don't think so much about physical therapists helping with prevention, but we are here for that as well. So being proactive, Um, We'll talk more about that as we go, but just helping um, to fight off some orthopedic conditions that can occur as a result down the road of some of your treatments that you may have had for cancer. So um, we're here for all of that. So um, uh, uh, sorry. Um, So um, many people will think of physical therapy as two to three times a week for four to six weeks. Um, And especially with this population, that can be incredibly overwhelming. You already have so many doctors and appointments, Um, but really it's a very individualized program. Um, We may see you for one session a month during um, a phase of your treatment. We may see you twice a month. It really depends on what your needs are, um, what treatments you're undergoing, and um, what works best for you. So it's a very um, individualized program based on your needs. Okay. okay. You know, I like two things that that stuck out to me there. Number one was you talked about, you know, whether you had surgery last week or you had surgery years ago, because I think we might have some people that say, oh, well, this probably isn't for me because my surgery was three years ago or four years ago. Um, so, you know, tell tell us more about, let's say my surgery was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. How can physical therapy help me there? Um, Absolutely. It is never too late. Um, It really isn't. So you may have tightness in areas um, from soft tissue restrictions, from radiation, from surgery, um, which then can affect things down the chain. Um, We know that um, if something in the chain of our body isn't working well, that stress has to be absorbed somewhere else. And so um, somewhere in the chain, there can be a breakdown. And maybe that is your rotator cuff. And you may not even think about a surgery you had years ago for breast cancer, you had radiation, and that your pec muscle has some tightness in it still. But that can contribute to your altered shoulder mechanics, which then can result in impingement of your shoulder, which then can result in a rotator cuff issue. So um, everything is connected. And that's our job to figure out um, if you're having any kind of 
tightness, restriction, pain, um, mobility issue. There's something that you would like to be doing that you can't um, because of strength, what, you know, balance. There's so many things. Um, we're here to help with any of that. So whether it was years ago or a month ago, we we're here to help. Yeah. And then you, the other thing that you, that you mentioned was the whole preventative aspect. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about the preventative and how that's possible. Yes, absolutely. So we all know um, that we could all work on our posture a bit and we post <laughs> it a lot as a society and we need to move more. Um, so when you're um, looking at posture and the effects of the shoulder, um, one way to kind of explain it is if you're sitting slouched and you try to raise your arm, that's about as far as I can go for those of you that can see me. And if I sit up straight though, I have a lot more range of motion. So if we're undergoing treatments and surgeries that cause us to have a lot of tightness, that cause us to kind of become rounded with our shoulders, um, that is going to close down on the space um, that we have in our subacromial joint in our shoulder, which then can lead to issues with rotator cuff, for example. So we're here to make sure that we are restoring that mobility and flexibility, not only in the muscles, but the soft tissue, the fascia, the joint, um, the strength too, so that your shoulder mechanics are normal so that you can prevent those kind of orthopedic issues down the road. Great. Wow. That, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what about, um, so let's talk, let's talk a little bit more about posture and maybe some posture exercises. Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're always going to focus a lot on education. Um, that's key. Um, ergonomics with, you know, whether you're in the car a lot, traveling on a plane, at a computer, making sure that the activities that you do, you're in a good posture or as best you can be um, incorporating movement um, will give you um, exercises specific to you for a range of motion, stretches, um, one of the big take homes is going to be moving, just moving throughout the day, which is good for everyone. Right. Um, but we know that after you've had especially radiation, things can tighten up up to two years later. Wow. So there is a lot of late effects. And so um, keeping active and moving is really an important part. Um, it does not mean you have to do vigorous activities. Um, it's um, it's all about being intentional with what we're doing and just, you know, consistency, really. Um, there's so much research to support exercise um, with cancer. It's pretty powerful. Um, there, let me see here. There is, um, let's see, there's some statistics that um, 34% of survivors are at an increase will have an increased chance of a second cancer occurring. Um, so exercise is one thing we can do to help prevent. There's a lot of research to support exercise um, preventing cancer. Also, 60% of survivors aren't getting the recommended amount of exercise. That's a lot. So and the 60 is a lot. That's a big yeah. number. That's yeah. And the recommended amount is 150 minutes a week of moderate mm -hmm. exercise and two times a week for strengthening. So strengthening yeah. is a really important part of this. It's not just cardio. Right. Um, there is 
Uh, no randomized control trial, which is kind of like our ultimate in terms of studies to prove that there's an increased lifespan with exercise. Um, but there's a lot of observational studies that show a decreased risk of mortality, especially with breast cancer, prostate cancer, and colorectal cancer, um, a 30% decreased risk of reoccurrence and mortality. So wow. exercise is a very powerful medicine for, yes. <laughs> for us. I mean, it really, really is. Um, there's lots of studies to support um, all the specific things that exercise can help with, um, reducing cardiovascular decline, reducing mm -hmm. fatigue, which a lot of times sounds strange that exercising right. would reduce fatigue, right. um, but there is so much research to support that, mm -hmm. helping with anxiety and depression, body composition, um, decreasing our muscle loss. It's There's um, a lot of studies to, that show that it is hard to gain muscle when you're undergoing cancer treatments, mm -hmm. but the strengthening is so crucial to maintain what you have so that right. you don't lose what you have. And, right. and down the road, you'll be able to gain that muscle. But during treatments, it is a challenge, but maintaining is so important. Um, and then sleep quality, mm -hmm. um, pain, uh, quality of life, um, tolerating chemo. Um, there's a lot of studies that show that people that are exercising are able to complete their chemo regimen, um, where some that aren't um, exercising regularly are at more of a risk of not being able to tolerate it. Oh, wow. So that's, that's a really important, obviously important thing um, right. therapy to help, you know, with mm -hmm. part of the cancer. Um, and then um, specific to breast cancer, improving lymphatic movement, range of motion, bone density, very important as well, because a lot of the treatments can impact your bone right. density. Right. Um, and we know we need to work on that as we get older as well. Mm -hmm. So um, it does, you know, with the treatments kind, kind of impacting that bone density negatively, it, even more reason to exercise to keep the bones strong. Also, and even more reason to start now, right? Exactly. And not wait until the dreaded something happens, right? Until a diagnosis is made. And then say, not that that's too late to start. It's never too late to start. Yeah. But if we start now, then should something happen, mm -hmm. our starting point is so much better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also just helping decrease menopausal symptoms, you know, some of the hot flashes and different um, side effects of some of the um, medications that are used um, to treat cancer. And there's a lot of reasons why exercise helps um, physiologically. I don't want to bore everyone with all these nitty <laughs> gritty details, but it's, it helps regulate the insulin and the glucose and hormones and okay. um, immune system. And just even like bowel transit time, meaning the more active you are, it keeps those toxins moving out of your body faster. So there's just so many reasons why the exercise is helping with all of those Um side effects that people can be feeling from the cancer and the treatment of the cancer. Right. 
And uh, most of us, unfortunately, have either had cancer or know someone that has had cancer. Um, One in two or three people will get cancer in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you said earlier, one in eight women will have breast cancer. Um, It's estimated that by 2030, there's going to be greater than 22 million people living that have had cancer. That is a lot. That's a high number. Yeah. 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 that Chronic disease does have a, you know, increases your risk. And so there are things that we can do to decrease that risk, not take it away. Right. Mm -hmm. Because obviously genetics plays a large role in in some of these cancers and, you know, in particular, you know, breast cancer, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) exercise and diet also play a role in how it affects us. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of research to support that um, being active and exercising can, can help reduce the risk. Um, Definitely. Specifically with breast cancer, um, there's a lot of things that we can help with as physical therapists, whether it's after surgery, um, and there is a lot of different types of surgery. Um, and I'd like to kind of go through some of the types because not everyone may be familiar, um, with, with all the types, um, not only with the surgery to remove the cancer, but then reconstruction, if someone chooses to have reconstruction. And so everybody that I have seen, um, and treated is, it has a completely different program. Um, so, it's um, between you and your doctors, obviously, and your type of cancer and your body type and, you know, the stage of cancer, um, however you've been staged in determining, mm-hmm. you know, um, what type of surgery um, right. to remove the breast cancer. People will tend to have either a lumpectomy or a mastectomy. Um, lumpectomy is removing part of the breast um, and a mastectomy is removing the entire breast. Um, most people will have a, at least one lymph node also removed to oh. be tested for cancer. So what they will typically do is they will inject a dye at the time of surgery and they will follow which is the first lymph node um, that the fluid travels to. And that will, they call the sentinel node. So that's the one that they will usually always test. And then if that um, shows cancer, you may have more lymph nodes removed. So everybody is different in that, how many lymph nodes they have removed. And then some people will have recon- choose to have reconstruction. Um, some will have it right then at the time of the breast cancer surgery. So you'll have multiple surgeons in the operating room, someone removing a surgeon, removing the cancer and a a plastic surgeon. Um, Some will have um, an implant immediately put in. Those tend to be patients that are younger, smaller, have really good skin elasticity. Um, Many will be unable to have an implant put in right then and will have to go through a different route. And there are a lot of different um, plans for that. So there are um, expanders that will be put in at the time of surgery. And those will, you can think of them as a water balloon and that they will um, be filled with saline. So you'll then, Mm. you'll have that implanted 
either below the pec muscle, the pectoralis muscle in the chest or above. And then you will follow a schedule with your plastic surgeon on either between one and three weeks going in and having um, saline solution felt into that expander. And the, the goal of that is to prepare the soft tissue to be able to expand for the implant. Um, because they've removed all of the breast tissue, there isn't a lot of tissue there between mm -hmm. the skin and then the ribs right. and pack muscles. So it's, that's why the expanders needed for, for a lot of people is to kind of prepare. So you can imagine it doesn't sound very comfortable. And right. the feedback that I have gotten from my patients is it isn't the most comfortable process. Um, and so I will see people through that process as well, because okay. we'll work on the pec muscles, the soft tissue, the fascia of regaining not only range of motion of the shoulder, um, but um, the pec muscle and preparing for that reconstruction because the pec muscle isn't used to having something underneath it. So you can imagine how that right away dramatically impacts the mechanics of your shoulder. You can see why that, you know, that right there would be a reason to want to have someone, you know, work on the shoulder mechanics and physical therapy. Um, if you had a a shoulder surgery or a knee surgery, a lot of times you're given a prescription for physical therapy. Well, right. you know, having surgery for cancer is still an impacting your soft tissue, your skin, your muscle, your fascia, you know, in this case, Anything. altering your shoulder mechanics, if you're having right. the reduction, um, now your lymphatic system, there's so many things impacted. So there's just such a need to, you know, help people regain that function of that area of their body after, you know, right. And greatly impacted from that surgery. And I would think that, you know, and like I said, we both said when, when we started physical therapy often isn't looked at with a cancer surgery, but clearly it needs to be because range of motion is affected, you know, as, as you said, you know, the mobility is affected. So it's definitely something that people need to be aware of and know their options. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would think that there might even be some doctors who aren't aware that, oh, this is a good idea. Absolutely. And that's what uh, physical therapists are here for is we're mm -hmm. here to help you through this part of your recovery, um, getting back that function, getting back to all the things that you want to do. Obviously, the first goal is to get rid of the cancer. And then we're here to help with, you know, getting back to all the things that you enjoy and being able to pick up your kids and your grandkids and, and mm -hmm. cook and lift the heavy pots and pans again and, you know, reach things up high and, you know, just anything and everything. Um and that's something that I found over the years is, is sometimes the patients really have to advocate mm -hmm. and say to their doctor, this is an issue I'm having. And can I see a physical therapist? And if you're going through your insurance, you will need a prescription. Um, that can come from any of your doctors on your team, though. It can be your primary care. It can be your medical oncologist, radiation oncologist, surgeon, plastic surgeon, 
any one of those physicians can write that prescription and your physical therapist can communicate any notes and things to any of those doctors as well so that everybody's on the same page. Um, but sometimes patients have to say something and ask. And I wish it wasn't right. like that. I wish right. it was that a PT was part of the care team. Right. Because we can just help throughout that entire course of therapy. So I may see someone that has, I've seen women who don't have shoulder range of motion due to orthopedic issues to do radiation. So they need physical therapy before they can do radiation or um, right after surgery and then follow them through radiation through surgery, you know, reconstruction. So may see them over the course of months. Now it doesn't mean that you're coming to therapy multiple times a week for years because I don't want to scare people. Right. While we know that the tissue can tighten for up to two years after radiation, there's some yeah. long, you know, That's... late effects. You are not in physical therapy for that entire time. Our goal is to get you on a program and teach you the tools that you need to manage things um, on your own through home exercises and stretches or, you know, different ways of releasing fascia, you know, everybody's got a specific plan for them, strengthening, of course, balance, whatever is needed. But we're here to give you those tools so that you can then take on that plan yourself and be independent with it. Um, But we're here then if you have a hiccup, if you hit a speed bump, you know, down the road, you're doing great. But then you had your reconstruction. It's great to then come back to your therapist, even for one session. How are things going? Is there anything new, you know, that is going on? Do we need to tweak the home program? And then again, you can take it and run with it. So it's, it's nice to have that person in your back pocket, your PT yes. that you can go to, and here's what's new. Here's what's cropped up. You know, we're here to help. We're here for all of that. Right. Well, we do know that, you know, if one thing in the body is out of alignment, it throws everything else out of the alignment, whether we realize that or not. Mm -hmm. So it's so important. You know, you might not think that, oh, well, you know, I don't really care that I can't lift my shoulder all the way or or don't have total shoulder range of motion, but that affects other parts of your body. And that could lead to additional problems down the road. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like you said, I think it, it it's important that patients do advocate for themselves in being able to see their physical therapist, even if that is one time, just to have everything. This is how it should be. This is these are the exercises you need to be doing. Absolutely. Yeah. That if it were up to me, everyone would come for at least one session, right. you know, just yeah. to no. touch base and, yeah. you know, see what's going on and, and come up with a program, but then mm-hmm. have that person on their team that they know I can communicate with if I have those issues or is this normal? This is what I'm experiencing. Yes. Um, and then we're here to help. If it's not me that can help, I will help refer you to where you need to be as your doctors right. can as as well. Um, along the lines of advocating for yourself, um, one thing to think about if you are going to go to physical ther- therapy with an oncology diagnosis is um, 
if you're not familiar with the clinic, is asking, you know, if they have someone who specializes. As PTs, we get, you know, a wonderful education, but it also covers so many areas from pediatrics to neurological conditions, to geriatrics, to lymphedema, to pregnancy, to aquatics, (laughs) to wounds. I mean, I could go on and on. So when you leave school, you tend to go into a specific area, whether it's orthopedics or, you know, in uh, neurological conditions. And so asking when you call that clinic, do you have someone that specializes in oncology? I, I highly recommend that. And if the person that you're talking to in registration isn't sure, don't hesitate to say, can I leave a message with for your lead PT or your manager? Because I'd like to talk to them about who would be a good fit for me. Especially as a woman, you may not feel comfortable having a male therapist, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the um, therapy when you've undergone breast cancer surgery and treatment can include manual therapy to the chest wall. And so that can be partially undressing and needing to work hands-on on those areas. If the patient is comfortable with that, of course, it's always about, you know, what you're comfortable with, but mm-hmm. just thinking, you know, if um, you get put with a male therapist, that may not be, you know, something you're comfortable with or the best fit for you. So right. it's something to think about if you're in an area, a rural area or something where there, maybe there isn't a specialist physical therapists are definitely able to still help you. I don't want people to feel discouraged if they can't right. find someone who, um, who, you know, isn't specializing in that area. We're still going to be able to help, but there are specific, you know, courses and things that can help with specific issues that uh, can be unique to this population. Right. Um, can find a specialist, just like every other area of medicine. We always have a specialty. Yeah. So if there is an expert in that area, if you can get to that person, that's ideal. But, you know, we're still all able to evaluate shoulder mechanics and address soft tissue yeah. restrictions and strength. And, you know, we're <laughs> all here to help. If you get with a therapist and it's not the right fit, that's part of our job. If we don't feel like we're the person is helping you get to the person that you need to be with. For instance, I am not a pelvic floor specialist and there are certain types of cancer that affect the pelvic floor, prostate mm-hmm. cancer, different ones. I would refer you to a pelvic floor specialist because that mm-hmm. is, they're the experts in that. And, and, right. you know, we want you to be with the best person to mm-hmm. um, treat you. Yeah. Good. So- Many, is there anything else that we missed that people really need to know about with uh, physical therapy oncology? Just a little bit more about the surgeries. Um, when it comes to reconstruction, um, there are so many different types. And I, I think this isn't really a well-known um, area that um, we talked about the expanders mm-hmm. and those um, those can be in for months. Um, and then having another surgery for that reconstruction, there's also another type of reconstruction that uses a, a tissue flap. So they'll actually take another area of your body. They'll take the soft tissue, the skin, Mm -hmm. uh, um, fat tissue, and sometimes the muscle. And they'll use that to create, to create a breast and to sometimes with or without an implant. So there's all different Mm -hmm. uh, combinations really. So um, common areas that they will use are the lap muscle, the latissimus dorsi, which is Mm -hmm. um, kind of in this 
outside of your shoulder blade area. And what they'll do is they'll actually take that tissue. It's pretty amazing, really. And they'll tunnel it through because it needs a blood supply. They'll use the same blood supply. Oh. Um, they'll also do that with your abdominal muscles. So there's some something called a tram flap. So that's the transverse rectus abdominis uh, muscle. And they will take a portion of your abdominal muscle and they'll tunnel that up into the chest. So it's really complex and amazing. Yeah. Um, so you can imagine though, that now we're talking about, you're now having surgery to another area of your body. So mm -hmm. your ab abdomen or your upper back. So now okay. there's another area that could have a scar, um, which could affect soft tissue mobility. Um, but also if you're having a part of your abdominal muscle taken, now your core is impacted. Yes. So that's another important reason for therapy. Um, right. you're also taking, um, tissue from the thighs, the buttocks and the low back. And then sometimes, um, in those areas, um, they will then have to reconnect the vessels. So now they're doing a microsurgery of reconnecting vessels. So it's a very complex, um, process of reconstruction. Right. So there are so many different, options. And like I said earlier, the, obviously that's between the patient and the plastic surgeon. Um, but the point is, you know, there can be a lot of different areas of the body impacted that you may not think of. Um, another important one is the diaphragm, our big breathing muscle. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times I see that that is very restricted because of pain, because, you know, the surgery, different things, um, the lack of mobility right after surgery. Um, and that's something that physical therapists are here also to help with is regaining the, um, the function of that diaphragm, making sure that it's moving well. And that is so important because the diaphragm is a huge pump for the lymphatic system. And that kind of leads me into the yes. lymphatic system, which is All another right. whole system of the body impacted. Yes. Um, most people will have at least one lymph node removed when they have surgery, not everyone, but most that I've seen, um, which is also a lot of times another scar. And the reason I keep mentioning scars is, um, because of, um, sometimes scar tissue can form in your fascia and fascia is really, really important. And a lot of people may not know about fascia. It's becoming more and more. Yes. Popular. Right. <laughs> um, and more well-known, yeah. <laughs> but um, that's something that I'd like to touch on. Yeah. Um, so fascia is, is I find it fascinating, but then, you know, <laughs> so do I, but you know, <laughs> it connects our entire body okay. and fascia. It encompasses every organ, every muscle, every muscle fiber, every cell, every lymphatic vessel, every blood vessel. It is a, basically a big matrix, a spider web like structure throughout our entire body. And it's made of collagen and elastin. And so it has some mobility, but it's also incredibly strong. It is, um, it can, um, have the tensile strength of 2000 pounds per square inch. I mean, it is powerful. Wow. 
simple stuff. But when you have surgery, you are disrupting that fascia. And when you are um, even having your drains from surgery and you're having another scar from uh, lymph node removal or from the reconstruction, those things need to be addressed. And so that's another reason PTs are here. We are here for scar mobility, fascial mobility, making sure that everything is moving well. Um, there's fluid that is in between or that goes throughout this fascia. And it's a very important transportation system for our body, for metabolic material, eliminating toxins, things like that. And when you have um, a restriction in your fascia, which can happen from trauma, which can be surgery, inflammation, even poor posture can cause fascia to solidify into certain, you know, positions. Um, then that, that fluid can kind of become more like cement and solid and it's mm-hmm. not moving. Things aren't flowing the way that they should. Um, it's also an important shock absorber for the body. So if it stiffens, it can't absorb that shock. Mm-hmm. So um, one way I like to think of it is kind of like a it's a piece of gauze with all those little tiny holes. And if the gauze is in a nice flat position, everything can pass through. But if we twist it, (laughs) all that force is on, we can't get, you know, things to move well through those holes. So that's kind of like the fascia that is throughout our entire body. (laughs) So what we're here to do is we're not, we're not actually breaking up the fascia, but we're just helping to regain the mobility. Everything should be able to move and glide. (laughs) So um, it's really important for scar massage to happen after, after incisions have healed, there's always time frames on these kind of things, but right. we're here to help with and, and, um, educate on, but making sure your scars are mobile, um, making sure you don't have those fascial restrictions, because like we talked about prevention, that is a huge area of prevention. If your fascia is, is mobile and not restricted, right. then we're preventing all kinds of orthopedic conditions that could happen down the road. So um, that's a huge one. And that's the importance of why we tend to do incorporate manual therapy into our regimen um, Mm -hmm. so that we can get hands on and get um, the release of, you know, of muscles and things that we need to make sure everything is moving well so that your shoulders moving well, so that your whole body is functioning the way that it needs to. And, um, and so that, um, all kind of works with that lymphatic system though. When we're talking about moving fluid, I'm going to kind of circle back. I kind of got on my fascia tangent there. Um, (laughs) I could go on and on about fascia. Um, But uh, the lymphatic system is so important, especially if we're having a lymph node or nodes removed. Um, That is drastically impacting our lymphatic system. So the lymphatic system, it's part of our immune system. It helps to um, eliminate things um, from the body. um, And uh, when we take out a lymph node, um, then that can cause a disruption in that system. And we can sometimes have fluid accumulate and then that's lymphedema. Mm -hmm. Um, Many people may have heard of lymphedema. So we know that when we take out lymph nodes, we are at an increased risk of lymphedema. There's a lot of studies that gave a lot of different percentages of that risk, but one that I took, of course, that I took recently, um, they said about a 40% lifetime risk 
um, when you've had a multiple lymph nodes removed in, in the armpit area, the axilla, mm-hmm. and about 7% when you've just had that one sentinel node, which is that first lymph node that filters mm-hmm lymph, um, off of the breast area. So, um, it does seem that the highest percentage of lymphedema, lymphedema occurrence is in your first year after treatment. Yes. We know that radiation also can, um, impact that as well, just because of how it can cause that soft tissue to tighten and cause things to not move as well. Um, which is another, um, just push for movement and range of motion. And so, um, that's another big, important area though, for PTs is educating on lymphedema. What can you do to prevent it? Teaching just about that. It can be a very scary thing, um, for a lot of patients. And one of the biggest things is regaining your range of motion and your strength. That mm-hmm. is like the best thing you can do to prevent it. Because if your body is moving well, you are pumping fluid better than if you were to not use your arm or protect it and those kind of things. So right. um, just another push for exercise and movement. And, and it doesn't have to be, you know, we're not talking about going out and running a marathon, right? right. We're talking about just daily movement. Yeah, but we want to make sure that we're able to move in the proper range of motion. Hence, the PT prevents further injury, because if we're not in proper alignment or don't have proper range of motion or proper mobility, then we're putting our risk ourselves at risk for other injuries, which just increase more pain. Right. And more problems. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And there is so much research to show that um, strengthening is safe and actually can help when you have lymphedema. Um, When I first started in physical therapy, there was kind of a lot of myths about, you know, lymph or strengthening and resistance training in lymphedema Mm -hmm. and the research supports strengthening. Um, There's a lot of studies that first of all, showed no correlation with strength training in in um, having lymphedema occur, mm-hmm. but then also no worsening of symptoms in people that already had lymphedema. So really important to know, because some people may be afraid, you know, to do those kind of things because they right. heard this or that. And, um, so that we're here to debunk myths too, and, and just right. help that. And, um, and that some people in, in some studies they've read, they did have a decrease in swelling with doing strength training. So just really important, um, to use that arm and, and get yeah. back to things, um, getting the diaphragm working properly. A lot of us in general, aren't using our diaphragm, uh, as much as we could. We're, we're using yeah. our accessory muscles, our chest muscles for breathing. Right. We're, we're up here and hiking our shoulders and doing those things instead of utilizing our diaphragm. Um, it's, um, it's very common and you don't realize you're doing it, but just, right. Um, it can be for uh, various reasons um, that we do that, uh, but that's that's an important thing because it helps pump that fluid for the lymphatic mm-hmm. system as well. So that's something that we'll incorporate as part of the treatment program with yeah. physical therapy. Good. Well, Mindy, we appreciate all of the information that you shared today. There was a lot of new things that I'm sure many of our listeners have not even heard of. I mean, I know that I was not really aware that, you know, like I said, I was under that impression that physical therapy is for, you know, athletic injuries and that type of thing. And it's, it's nice to know that it is now making its way 
into the oncology, not only at the after, as you said, the post-surgery, but also the pre-surgery mm-hmm. to help prepare. And, you know, because that's just as important. And one more thing, if you don't yeah. mind, if I touch yeah. on, um, because I feel like this is kind of a lesser known as well, is, is oh. some people can develop lymphatic cording or axillary web syndrome, it can also oh. be called. Okay. And that can happen from the removal of that lymph node and also um, with radiation. And so that kind of goes back to that fascia surrounding mm-hmm. the lymphatic vessels, because it's a whole system kind of like we think of our circulatory system with our arteries and veins. And people can develop kind it's um, called cording and it's, you can think of it as a guitar string, really. Like you can kind of feel your tendons in the front of your wrist here. It almost kind of, you can see it sometimes when people stretch their arm and it can be very painful and it can create a lot of restriction and tightness. And so that's another area that we're here to help with um, that I feel like isn't talked about that much. Uh, Maybe Um, people aren't aware, but, um, those are the kind of things too, that we can just, you know, help keep an eye on if, um, we see those things and and work on those with manual therapy. Well, thank you, Minnie, for your time today. We appreciate all that you shared. And if, um, if people want to know more about what you do, where can they find you? Um, yes, absolutely. So um, do not hesitate to email me. If you have questions, I am here to help and I will help. If I'm not the person to help, I will help you to find someone. So um, my email is Mindy, which is M-I-N-D-Y at goodmanperformancetherapy.com. I know that's kind of long. And then our um, website is goodmanperformancetherapy.com backslash Mindy to specifically get to my um, bio and, and, you know, with my information and, um, or to schedule, it's all right there on the website, but don't hesitate to reach out with questions. That's what I'm here for. That's what we enjoy is helping people and just, you know, making sure everyone's getting what they need. And I just feel like, um, like we talked about the oncology population is underserved when it comes to physical therapy and we are here to help. So don't hesitate to reach out if you have some questions. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fit News Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Shaver, and I'm on a continuing mission to help you stay strong, healthy, and happy. A special thank you to our producer, Noah Martin, and Retrospection Multimedia. Tune in to the Fit News Podcast every Monday to get your tips for living your best midlife. These episodes are live streamed weekly in our Facebook group. Be sure to comment, like, and subscribe to Fit News Podcast for your weekly health advice. To join the Facebook group, visit strongforlifefitness.com.